Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Life of St. Philip Neri by Antonio Galonio, section 14, the year of Christ 1792 and the two subsequent years, chapter 159. He predicts many things by God's agency. Pietro Filippo Lazzarello had been granted an ecclesiastical benefice by Innocent IX, but because the Pope died suddenly, he was unable to obtain his apostolic letters of appointment. Clement VIII took the place of the deceased pontiff, and Pietro Filippo did all he could to expedite the matter. But a certain powerful nobleman, had got hold of the letter of supplication, as it is called, with the aim of transferring the position to someone else. As a result, Pietro Filippo, in desperation, conceived the idea of murdering that nobleman with his crossbow, and had accordingly ceased to celebrate Mass and recite the divine office. While he was thus minded, he happened to come into our church one Sunday morning, and knelt down there, not far from our Philip. He felt some inner force driving him to approach him. So without knowing what he was doing or what he wanted, he fell at Philip's feet, saying not a word, uttering not a sound. You would have thought he was dumb. The Holy Father took him gently by the left ear and said, You are burdened with debts, aren't you? He replied, yes, father. Be of good heart, continued Philip. Within a fortnight, you will be free from your anxiety. When Pietro Filippo heard this, he was overjoyed and went away happily, full of confidence. Within the stated time, he was delivered from his difficulties, despite all expectations. And the letters were made out granting him the ecclesiastical benefice he had hoped for. The same year, Girolamo Pamphili, a man of the highest rank and auditor of the Rota, was seriously ill, to the extent that he began to decline the doctors were in despair. Philip visited him at the end of April and embraced the man kindly, telling him to put away all his fears and promising that the disease would soon go. His promise was kept. For not long afterwards, he got out of bed, safe and sound. I must not forget to mention here that it was frequently noticed how sick people, about whom the doctors had given up hope, recovered their usual health after Philip had assured them that they would survive that disease. On the other hand, there were those of whom the doctors had no bad expectations, who paid the debt of nature after Philip had predicted that they were about to die. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. St. Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, apostle of Rome, 
vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. December 26th is usually the Feast of St. Stephen. It weren't a Sunday, the octave of Christmas. And St. Stephen is so specially honored because he's the first martyr, the proto-martyr, the first one to die for Christ after the church began, after Pentecost. He was stoned to death. And who oversaw the stoning? A young man named Saul, later Paul of Tarsus. Now, when, this, when St. Stephen was stoned, we should remember the beginning of the Bible. Because the Bible says that death came into the world because of sin. God told Adam and Eve that if they obeyed him, they didn't eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, they would not die. So you ask yourself, well, and theologians have asked, well, if the stone had fallen on Adam, the way the stones fell on St. Stephen, would, would he have died? Well, the answer is complicated because, yes, he would have died, but that never would have happened because of the way nature was subservient, was in the service of Adam, the first parents. There was harmony with the humanity and nature. And so we call this the preternatural gifts. Why? Because as the reading today says, death is the debt of nature. In other words, death is natural to human beings. And the state of immortality that our first parents enjoyed was preternatural, beyond the natural. In other words, the things that were happening to them were things that would not cause death. And there was a protection of them from outside forces. And there was an interior protection because of their great harmony, because the soul was subject to God. Therefore, their imagination, all their emotions were subject to their reason and their love of God. And their bodies and soul were in harmony. And the natural world around them was in harmony. And the human beings themselves were in harmony. Everything flowed from that relationship they had with God. And so there were gifts that were not exactly supernatural. But gifts that were natural or overcame what would be the natural outcome through grace. So death for a Christian is both natural and the freedom from death was we call a grace in the beginning. And so when God removed that grace, or to put it better, when the sin, our, the sin of our first parents happened and they lost that primary relationship with God, all the other harmonies were lost. The harmony of body and soul the heart, perfect harmony between the man and the woman, the harmony with humanity and nature, and the harmony within the human soul between emotions and imagination, intellect and will. All this was lost. And so now we're pulled in different directions. And so that natural situation in which the body and soul, matter and spirit can come apart 
does happen. And so St. Stephen paid the debt of nature. In the reading tonight, we hear about people who paid the debt of nature. Now, it can be called a debt because it's something owed. It would not have been owed except for sin. But it also is natural. It's natural, but it was something that God was not allowing to happen before sin. A special gift, a preternatural gift, a gift beyond nature. But once we had the original sin, and once that great harmony we call original justice was lost, that original justice is the great harmony that flows from original holiness, that bond with God. Then you start having temptations. And the children of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, are in conflict. And Cain kills Abel. And before he killed him, God told him, sin is crouching at the door. That is concupiscence, the tendency to sin. Concupiscence means desire. That desire for sin, Cain, is at the door of your heart. And the reading tonight, we hear that Father Pietro, he's a priest, Father Pietro Filippo, wanted to murder someone. Why? Because he had debts and he was about to get money because there was a system in which if you were given charge of a church which had property, which had income, which had been given a promise of money, if you would say a certain number of masses, maybe it had, it had lands, it had rental properties. And if you were assigned to that church, even if you weren't the one saying mass, it was called a benefice. And finally, his debts were going to be taken care of because he was going to get some income from being in charge of this church. But before it could happen, the death of the Pope took place, the debt of nature. And then people, other people tried to get in there and get their name on the benefits. There's a little gray area. And so he was going to kill the man. Sin was crouching at the door. He was going to murder him with a crossbow. And what happened? By chance, or by God's providence, he ran into Philip, who grabbed him by the left ear. The left, his Latin, is sinister. The evil thing was there. He grabbed him on his evil side. He wasn't listening to God. He'd closed his ears to God. And so Philip grabbed him and helped him. But Philip didn't just say, you're going to murder someone. He knew that the murder, that sin, was because he was in such a desperate situation. And Philip promised him hope. And so tonight, on this first day of the octave of Christmas, the feast of the Holy Family, we remember that through Jesus Christ, sin and even concupiscence, the tendency to sin, can be taken away. It was taken away above all in Mary. She before she could even contract original sin, was saved. And so Mary herself never, ever experienced that tendency to sin. And we ask her to pray for us tonight who are tempted, who do have to face this battle. And let us pray that she will help us to focus our lives on Jesus Christ, to picture in our minds his face, his life, the only answer to our concupiscence, the only way we can stop sinning is through the incarnate word. If we carry him with us, 
If we remember his face, if we keep him before us, he's the antidote to following our concupiscence. Praise be Jesus Christ who came into our world. Praise be Jesus Christ who is the tree and the fruit of immortality that Adam and Eve were blocked from receiving. In the garden, there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and there was the tree of life with the fruit that if you ate of it, you would live forever. Jesus Christ is that true fruit, which we receive in the Eucharist, which we eat when we read the scriptures, which we communicate with when we pray. Mary, pray for us that we will never forget Jesus Christ, your son, the fruit of your womb, the fruit of eternal life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.